Welcome to the Scarlet Tavern. Grab a drink, take a seat, and let's begin. On tonight's episode, we're diving into the depths of history to uncover the epic tale of a Viking warrior so fierce he could have given Chuck Norris a run for his money. So grab your horned helmets and prepare to set sail with the one and only Harold Hadrada, the ultimate Norse rock star of the Middle Ages. This is Scarlet Tavern. How's it going, everybody? Um, scald. It's going great. Yes. Oh, I. We no need scald. To... What is that? You're eating fucking white chocolate. It's birthday cake Kit Kat bars. Oh, You're just yeah. that's disgusting. What? You, oh you my are... god. You know what? So, somebody else do this podcast. You are disgusting. Oh, privilege. Oh, oh okay. God. Oh my God! Um, hey, at least they're not yeah. eating. At least they're not eating it whole. Well, that is but true. But still, like birthday cake. I know right? it's good, dude. It really is. No. I just... no, it's not. I'm gonna bring some down. I'm gonna bring some down. I, that's, no, that's I I will not actually. We we got you a trash can. can. It can go right in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, that is bright. <clears throat> Sorry, everybody. Um. Yeah, so we are doing our first. I mean, technically, technically, every oh, all, every well, technically old. everything is history because is it's all it's, not... it's all old, right? Um, older than Ben. So, yeah. yeah. In this case, older than you. Well, well, it, I don't know. You may have this, known this guy. This one, this one, he lived through. We were actually neighbors. Um. So, but. We are doing our first history, official history episode. Um, this is for all the Norse lovers out there. Um, the great Viking Harold Hadrada. Hell yeah. The hard, the hard ruler. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, oh, we haven't, we haven't recorded in, at this point, we haven't recorded in a week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then I think by the time this comes out, we'll have uh, our last two episodes that we recorded will be out. Um, the Toy Box Killer. Um, because I want to apologize. By the time you guys hear this, it'll be episodes, episodes late. But... I want to apologize. Uh, we had a mix-up with uploading recordings of our um, Heaven's Gate. So the second one came out first. So I had to release both of them at the same time. Oh, yeah. In regard to that, Amy does say thank you for giving both of them yeah. at the same time. Normally that doesn't happen, but I <laughs> I messed up. So I had to change some stuff. So it will be out of order, but... Um, but yeah, so, but Toy Box Killer is, is what you guys would have just heard, part one and two. Um, I believe, Ben, this is a, just a one-parter. Uh, yeah, I will condense this down as best I can to, to one part, although I'm sure if, uh, if, uh, 
Carol, Harold Hadrado were here, he would probably demand a whole season dedicated to him. He, um, on top of being funny, he was a bit had a bit of an ego on him, but yeah. it was well deserved. But uh, and then we've got some other good ones coming out. Um, we are so for our D and D side, we have our patreon and stuff like that um but we are looking i i believe we are going to start a patreon specifically for scarlet tavern um to release special episodes for this um so keep an eye out for that we haven't done it yet but we'll record special episodes specifically for that some well-known names will be specific to patreon um, I'm thinking we do a, um, uh, Charlie Manson Patreon, uh, set of episodes. So, um, cause who doesn't want to hear about the, uh, serial killer who was best friends with one of the Beatles or one of the Beach Boys? Um, he and the... And actually, I'll just say Charlie Manson had an amazing fucking voice. A little helter skelter. Eh, I thought he was okay. Charlie had an amazing voice, but he just mm. didn't want to record anything. Um, he was be- <laughs> he was better than the Beach Boys. Beach Boys suck. Um, I don't know about that. I hate the Beach Boys. Well, the Beach Boys hate you. I'm sure they do. <laughs> One of them's dead, at least. Mm. Um, but without further ado. Uh, let's get into Harold Hadrada, Ben. Thank you, Caleb. As we said, Harold Hadrada, known as the last of the Vikings. Harold Hadrada was born in... Uh, also, before I get started, to any of our Scandinavian friends out there, from Finland all the way to Iceland, I am going to apologize in he- ahead of time. I cannot make heads or tails of your language. You can send... All threats to Ben B E N Edwards E W A R D S at dungeonsandmagi.com. Send it right to his email. He yeah. will res- he will respond to every single one personally. No, I will not do that. Uh, deny I'll, our fans. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll deny our fans the 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 privilege of me responding about mis mispronouncing their language. Uh, I do. I, in all seriousness, I apologize. But as as I was, Harold Harold was born in Ringerik, Ringerik, yeah, Ringerik, Norway, in 1015 or 1016 to Asta Goodbrandsdarter, Good Goodbrandsdarter. I don't know. And her second husband, Sigsir. Um, Sigur Sigur was a petty king. Was the petty king of Ringerik. And among the strongest and wealthiest chieftains in the uplands. Now, just to give everyone a little background, a petty king in Norwegian history was basically a, a village would have the head of the village was known as a king. He His authority never left that little village or that town. Norway at one point had dozens of petty kings. Uh, through his mother Asta, Harold was uh, the youngest of King Olaf II of Norway. Um, he would later be known as Saint Olaf. Uh, 
don't know why, as we'll as we'll touch here in a minute, the man was kind of an idiot. Harold had been known throughout his youth as a rebellious and ambitious child. Um, many anecdotes when growing up, he would they would ask him, "Say, Harold, what would you want when you get older?" And he would respond, "I want Husklars, which are." House guards and from translated from Norse. Um, many would joke that he was already had aspirations to be king even at a young age. Um, he was also say, known to be a he he sprouted up by age fifteen. He was already over six foot one. He was described by in the sagas as being very stout and manly, and people mistook him for being a fully grown man. Uh, clearly, he did inherit the good the good genetics of the of the Scandinavian people. Um, in 1030, uh, Harold's brother had um, actually hold on um, had attempted to wrest control of the throne of Norway from Knut the Great. Um, Knut was also the king of Denmark and at one point had been the king of England. Uh, you, you, some of the fans of the show, the Vikings, um, actually may have known him. He was the one who goaded the king, the young king of England, um, out the gates and was able to easily bitch slap the the king of England and took the throne and was able to create the North Sea Empire as it was. Um, Olaf had, um, actually had his own bit of a interesting beginning. He was a mercenary. Um, in the employ of King Ethelred of England, and actually had forced um Canute from the throne of England. And Olaf himself obviously had taken the king, had been briefly the king of Norway himself. But Olaf was, by all accounts, a zealous Christian, and had forced the conversion of Norway from Norse paganism. To Christianity, whether by all accounts, many of the people there were not ready and did not support the harsh forced conversion. So many of the uh, Norwegian, which is pretty significant, the Norwegian nobles had actually invited Canute to um, take the throne and force Olaf into exile. This is significant as um, in Scandinavian history, Norway and Denmark would embark on a many series of bitter, bloody rivalries and wars in there. So for a Norwegian nobles to actually ask da a Danish king to come and take over is pretty that kind of says something about how Olaf was seen as a ruler. Um, Olaf would though would be exiled to the land of the Rus, which is now today um, Russia and Ukraine. There and he would stay there for a few years. He was able to. He had a son, and he took one of his um, thralls, uh, slave, as his concubine. But then later freed her and became, and she became his wife. Um, at age thirty-five, though, he was able to. He was able to gar to gather up some men from from Kiev and other parts of Rus and and uh, Sweden. And was actually able to march back into Norway, and Harold actually would join him in this battle. Now, Harold and his brother arrived with an army of roughly about 2,400 men. Unfortunately, Olaf's devotion to Christianity got in the way again, 
as most of Harold, I mean, Olaf's army was made of men, initially made of men from the hinterlands of Scandinavia, which meant he had a lot of pagans in his army. And he was not going to allow pagans into his army because why the hell would you want a bunch of hardened, battle-hardened sons of Odin and Thor to, in your army? Right, guys? Am I right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so after kicking out all the pagans, his army of 2,400 dropped down to about 1,300. And most of these men were mercenaries and bandits along the way he picked up and just kind of threw money at them to please fight for me. Uh, at the Battle of, again, Stiklestad, oh, um, the, Olaf was uh, able to... Uh, ran into the armies of King Canute, although King Canute was not there, and most of King Canute's army had been made up of the uh, peasantry of Norway. It was actually said this is one of the greatest battles of Norway in the sense that everybody from all corners of, of Norway were, at, were present in this battle. Uh, interesting note of this battle, there actually was, in the midst of battle, there was a full solar eclipse that, that occurred there. So in the midst of battle, they write of how the sun disappeared in the middle of it, and actually it became complete darkness. Um, but unfortunately, Olaf, had, while holding initial advantage but simply by attacking first, he was... The battle turned against him, and he ended up with a sword against in his face, by uh, delivered by one of uh, King Canute's lieutenant generals who was present at the battle. Harold himself was wounded, but he was him and his men were actually able to escape. And at this point, many of the many of Harold's men and the rest of the army are fleeing into the woodlands. Harold and his men actually had to managed to get to a farm, and Harold had to hide out in this farm for about a month, and was able to recover all the while trying to keep a low profile and make sure that the uh, he wasn't found, because he probably would have been executed at this point. Can Canute the Great was not known to be merciful to his uh, defeated enemies. He was pretty notorious about making sure he f you either bend the knee or you lose your head. Now, after that, now after all, um, excuse me, after Harold had um, managed to recover, he was able to. Him and his his men were actually able to trek across Norway and Sweden, and were actually able to make it to the coast and took a took a uh, ship to uh, what is now known today as Estonia and Russia, and made it to the city of Novgorod. To put it in perspective. Harold and his men were able to trek across Norway and Sweden, which is about 1,300 miles and mostly on foot. So this is uh, this is actually quite a quite it was quite a journey. This took them quite a bit. Um, while making down the Dnieper River from Novgorod, he was able to wound up in the city of Kiev, which is obviously still here today. Um, Kiev, interesting, was um, along with Novgorod, were two cities that were also founded by Viking noblemen um, from Finland and Sweden. Uh, Rurik, er, uh, Prince Rurik, 
Um, actually, his dynasty would actually be one of the last Viking dynasties to last into um, into history. They lasted up until the 1600s until the Romanovs and Russia overthrew them. Uh, while in Kiev, Harold had actually um, arrived at probably the most opportune time because Grand Prince Yaroslav the Wise had actually was in need of trained warriors, and Harold had shown up with about a few hundred, actually, about roughly about 500. Um, he entered the service of the Grand Prince, and he, the prince, um, wasting no time, had actually sent him off to fight uh, the Poles, who had actually, uh, many of the pagan Poles, had actually rebelled against their Christian king, who is uh, no, who's I forget his name, but his his epithet, his little moniker thing, the um, was known as the Lazy. So he obviously didn't garner a lot of a lot of love from his people. Yaroslav had actually been been waiting for a chance to um, initiate a sort of payback against um, the against the Poles for past um uh past attacks from attacks in uh, on Kiev. So Harold had actually been started off as uh the command uh like a lowly commander in the Kievian Rus army and this is where a lot of times Harold would start learning the ways of warfare. Uh Harold obviously was a very great warrior but um, he he wasn't very well trained or versed in siege warfare or pitched battles. He would soon very much learn to um, learn the ways of warfare, fighting for the Kievan Rus against the Poles. Uh, he fought against fought against many people of of that time. Um, also, to include. I can never I can't can't never pronounce these names. It is the Pechenegs. The Pechenegs were a no, nomadic uh steppe people from the steppes of Central Asia, kind of similar to the Mongols. But a precursor to them as uh as they had not yet the Mongols had not yet um gotten onto the onto the scene here. Uh, while fighting there, he also, again, learning the ways he would be able to learn the ways of cavalry warfare fighting there. Vikings obviously having no real need for cavalry warfare, being as Norway is a country of of large fjords and cliffs, so horses really don't matter too much other than from just getting around. Now, while as this is going on, Harold is now. Keep in mind, Harold is Harold is only eighteen when this is all going on. He is not a grown man. He is doing all these things, and he is still doing more than most high schoolers ever do that we do today. He actually, by eighteen, he had risen to the rank of captain of the of Yaroslav's, um, what they are called the Drusania. Which is Husklars, the house guards for, but in Russian. Now, while this, now while at some point in 
1034, an official embassy actually arrived in Kiev from Norway, which included one of the men who initially supported Harold and Olaf, but he actually had turned traitor and then supported uh, Knut and eventually his Knut's um, descendant or his son. Uh, he arrived after Knut's son had died, and there was now a succession problem in Norway. And he had actually persuaded um, Olaf's son, Magnus, to leave Kiev with his mother and ascend the throne with, with their support, um, more or less robbing Harold of his birthright. Uh, by all accounts, Harold was the next line of succession in this case, since his brother, he was the younger brother of Olaf, and he had way more experience and was probably a better king than Magnus, at least initially, because Magnus is only like a little kid at this point. Um, but Harold was away off on a campaign, and when he came back to Kiev, he learned what had happened, and he then asked Yaroslav for leave, he asked leave to leave the guard and go and have Yaroslav's daughter um, uh, Elizaveta is hand in marriage. Uh, Yaroslav, although he liked Harold and um, was sympathetic to his cause, Harold was may have been king by right, but he was essentially a landless uh, nobleman. And Yaroslav had told him, uh, you have no way to gain you have no way to uh, support my daughter, who is a high-born noblewoman. Uh, you must show, prove to me that you can support yourself and her and take what's yours. Harold, knowing that he was never really going to get rich serving Kiev, took the leave from, his, from the Grand Prince, took 500 of his men, and sailed south through the Black Sea to Constantinople. This is also known to the to the Norse as Miklagard, the the great city. Now, Constant. Now, to give a perspective on here, Constantinople is part of the Eastern Roman Empire, known as the Byzantine Empire. Uh, to put it in perspective, I guess a great visualization. Imagine is like a big dam, but a but but that's now starting spouting a a bunch of leaks that's falling apart. And they're trying to just slap every kind of cover over the dam and trying to keep it going. But all the while, somebody comes along with a chisel and starts trying to break off another piece of it. This is the best analogy of how to describe the Byzantine Empire at this point. The empire is being assaulted from by Arabs in the east, Bulgarian, rebellious Bulgarians in the west. Uh, they're lo most of their holdings in Italy and Sicily are going away. So Harold Hadrada shows up on Constantinople with 500 men, and he is hoping to, he plans to join the very infamous Varashian Guard. The Varashian Guard is, was known as the personal guard of the emperor of the Byzantine Empire. These men were made up exclusively for a time, but they eventually started including Anglo-Saxons from England. But these men are known strictly as Viking warriors that fought for, fought and protected the emperor of the Byzantine Empire. 
these men would uh, were considered mercenaries by the empire, although they took their oath of allegiance to the empire to the emperor to protect him. Um, very, very easy to become rich in the Varashian Guard. Uh, on top of the the plunder they they often would get from the from the various battles they would have to fight, they also were paid handsomely by the emperor. And whenever an emperor died, which had a very that happened quite a lot, they actually were allowed to pill pillage the royal treasury as payment. It was. Uh, I can only imagine it just started off as some really shady Vikings wanting to uh, take some back pay that they were probably owed or opportunistic. Like, hey, the emperor's dead. Let's go take his stuff. And it eventually just became tradi um, traditional thievery because that's exactly what it was. Um, now, Harold had showed up in Constantinople and he was actually granted an audience with the emperor. Now, some some people think that he had actually tried to just kind of sneak in quiet like and take his place there. Unfortunately, his he was a very well well known within the east, so he was immediately recognized and he was given an audience. And very quickly, he was actually appointed the uh commander of the uh of the Varashian Guard, or at least he was appointed commander of the military part of the Varashian Guard. He wasn't just a lonely bodyguard. He would he would go off on campaign, and he his exploits by by all accounts from the sagas are extraordinary. Fighting in, um, he fought in the Holy Land and Jerusalem. Supposedly, there's very there is there's a little bit of debate of whether he was if he actually fought there or if he was just the military escort. Uh, he was he fought numerous Arab pirates throughout the the Mediterranean. Eventually, he'd fight in um, what is known as Asia Minor and uh, Turk. That's modern day Turkey against many of the pirate havens for there. Uh, he eventually would be sent to Bulgaria, where he would fight against the rebellious Bulgarians there, and took out and helped lead the Byzantine forces against the against um against the against the Bulgarian king. I'm trying to see if we have his name here. We do. I do not. Uh, while in Bulgaria, he fought in um, he fought he fought in some of some very very um, intense battles. And while there, he um, during that war, he actually gained the the nickname the moniker the nickname uh, the Bulgar Burner simply for the amount of basically the amount of uh, enemies that he killed during there. Um, Oh, that is he fought against uh, Peter Dalen. That is the name of the um, person who in Bulgaria who led up there. Um, now, while this is all going on, Harold is also having to contend with the court politics of the Byzantine Empire, which um, and may, some would say were probably just as dangerous as some of the battlefields he fought on. Um, he his Oath of loyalty was to the emperor, but many people believe that he actually 
it's kind of hard. It's hard to determine, but he actually, when he gave his oath, he actually was looking. It was said he looked and gave it to the Empress Zoe, who was many considered the true power at that point behind the the Byzantine Empire. Um, but and this and this relationship he had with her would actually cause be in many cases some of the root problems that he had. Um, that later down the line. It's always a woman's fault. Uh, she, we could probably have a whole, a whole discussion on her. She was considered a great ruler, but she had one problem. She liked the pretty boys. So again, it's always the woman's fault for all uh, you, for all you women listening to this. Ben said it's your fault. I, I right. did not say that. So send send him emails. Oh great! That so is Ben Ben Edwards at dungeonsandmagi.com. Knowing my luck, some very angry uh, angry Norwegian woman is gonna email me like, "Not only can you not pronounce my language, you're blaming your your and, and he lives at. Don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh well so during this time um the emperor the emperor um I'm sorry there's emperor Michael the fourth um and actually uh, um hey you pronounce the name been... right I know right because it's American yeah also, also because I didn't try to pronounce his Greek surname and just. Yeah, I've already pissed off the Scandinavian. Let's not add the Greeks to this. Uh, but, Big um, fat Greek funeral. <laughs> um, Emperor Michael had um, actually been aging, and his health was in serious decline around the around the ten forty one. Um, now, around now at this point, when he died, he um, had died. He had named, um, instead of naming one of the nephews of Zoe, of Emperor Zoe, he had actually he actually named another one of his family um, as heir, another Michael, Michael V. Uh, Michael V, by all accounts, was very corrupt, very, just a, He's just a piece of shit. Sounds like all Mi- every Michael I know. <laughs> um, we are but... just pissing him off left and right. Today. I know, right? Let's go. Ne- and next next week we're doing Scientology. Let's go. Oh yeah! <laughs> For that, please send all messages to Caleb. <laughs> At, oh, okay. at Ben Edwards at dungeonsandmagi.com. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, now, His so, phone number is. Now, oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Michael V, after ascending to the throne after the death of Michael IV, um, had, had tried to supplant the power of the Emperor Zoe and. Um, but unfortunately, due to a popular uprising in Constantinople, uh, was not had not actually reigned for much longer. Um, at one point, when the crowd at the Hippodrome was actually trying to 
bay for Michael's blood, he had actually had to grab Zoe, who he was about to send off to a convent to live out the rest of her days in exile. It actually grabbed her, taking her off the ship that he had tried to ship her off to send her off on and just like here look she she's here I, I didn't kill her unfortunately at that point nobody really cared anymore and a citywide revolt slash riot had had occurred which led to the storming of the palace and michael and his uncle's um imprisonment now michael had eventually had also was able to get out and claim sanctuary at one of the monasteries it, it just outside of Constantinople. However, Harold, who was still the commander of the Varashian Guard, did not care about sanctuary, although although even though he himself was Christian, he really just didn't care and actually proceeded to go into the monastery where Michael V was and actually... Uh, actually dragged the emperor out of the church after being granted uh, sanctuary and imprisoned him. Michael V was eventually um, blinded. Now, this is actually an interesting antidote from the Byzantine Empire. You, If you were blind, you were ineligible to be emperor. So it is, So after Michael was dragged out of the church... He was blinded in exile to a to live out the rest of his life in a monastery. It is actually said Harold, who hated the emperor so, Michael V so much that he actually blinded the emperor himself. Actually held him down and jabbed a hot poker into his eye and blinded him. And his and subsequently his uncles as well. Now, after this, uh, for a short time, everything seemed okay until um, the Empress Zoe married her third and final husband. I'm trying to remember see where I wrote down the man's name. I think his name was Constantine. Yeah, Constantine. Constantine the God, ninth. I forget. Ninth, yes, the ninth con. I, I knew I was either the ninth or the tenth. I couldn't remember. Thank you, Caleb. Appreciate you. Um, Harold had actually at this point requested um, to be relieved of his posting from the Varashian Guard so that he could go, return to Kiev and make make his final preparations to take back the kingdom of Norway. Unfortunately, the Emperor Zoe would not let him go. No one is quite sure what the reasonings are. Because she's a woman and she was PMSing. Well, actually, she was uh, about 70, in her 70s at this wow. point, so that's not happening. Okay, well, she was a woman and she was going through menopause. I would like to point out to our listeners here that we are joking and do not and, do, and are not this sexist. <laughs> But if you have if you have any issues, you can email Ben Edwards at dungeonsandmagi.com. Please don't email me. Uh, they're all jokes, everybody. Um, are they though? Are they? Yes, 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 they are. For the sake of the podcast, they are jokes. Uh, Scientology, you're next. Yeah, I'm gonna, you're, we're going we're going to actually we're going to record that uh next weekend when you guys are down from the parking lot of 
Scientology because we have a Scientology church like right here. Oh, okay. So we'll do it from the parking lot of the Scientology church. And see how many of them chase see, see if we can get any interviews. Oh, God. Come on, Tom Cruise. I've got a couch yeah. for you to jump on. Uh, so after this, um, Harold had, again, after being denied his request, Harold was actually at one point imprisoned. Now, his reason, the reasoning, again, also for his imprisonment is a little different. Some say it was murder. Others, he it was sexual assault. Uh, the prevailing theory, theory slash fact is that roughly around 5,000 pounds of gold had actually gone missing from the Imperial Treasury. No one could find it. I wonder who took it. Hmm. Well, it just so happens that someone was able to actually sneak to the prison where Harold and his some of his men were being held and actually had managed to infiltrate the prison and got Harold out of prison. At this point... His men, any all of his men were made a essentially made a break for the docks, and had actually loaded two ships up and were able to try and escape across the Bosphorus Strait north to the Black Sea. Uh, luckily for Harold, he was able to get across from it. Unfortunately, his other ship was not. This is due to the fact that um, there was. Constantinople had a large ship blocking chain that spanned the um, the straits, and if this chain was fully um, taut across the way, it could actually destroy a ship, which is exactly what happened to Harold's other ship. He was his his ship was destroyed. It would almost uh, cut ships in half. Exactly. They're a little debated how much damage, but yeah, essentially this thing was designed to make sure no ships could ever. I mean, come and go without. think of whatever, like, chain and lock you guys picture and amplify it by a thousand. It, yes, it's actually... They, they were giant a... chain links. It's considered, it, was, it, it was considered something of an engineering marvel for its time. It was one of the reasons... It was, along with other reasons, was a factor in why Constantinople was considered a a near impregnable city to outside. I mean, we still technically not in that aspect, but we use that design today. That's in like your, uh, older countries with drawbridges and stuff like that. That chain that they use is the same exact thing that was strung across. Exactly. Exactly. But luckily for Harold Hadrada, he was able to get across and he made his way to Kiev. And on the second day he arrived there, um, he was allowed and was able to marry his first wife, Elisaveta. Now, while Harold was a Varashian guard, he had he had been sending ship shiploads of his um, personal wealth to Kiev, so Yaroslav could, um, in fact, safeguard it for him. Uh, interestingly enough, by coincidence, I think not. Um, shortly after Harold arrived in Kiev and he left, uh, Yaroslav had actually then declared war on the Byzantine Empire and had led a raiding force against Constantinople. While they weren't able to actually do, weren't able to get into the city completely, they were able to catch the Byzantines completely off, um, off their game, flat-footed, however you want to say it, and actually up until... 
the Ottomans had finally breached the walls in 1450 in the in the 1400s. This is the only time that the invading army did is got as close to uh, capturing or pillaging the city. And I wonder if uh, old Harold there had something to do with that, you know, considering he was in charge. Uh, he was intimately familiar with the defense of the city. Now, while this is going on, the events in Norway had finally shifted in somewhat in Harold's favor. Harold had always imagined he'd have to go to go back to Norway and use his wealth to actually raise an army and fight to reclaim his throne. Uh, fortunately for him, when he came back, his brother, well, his nephew, uh, Magnus the Good, had was it was now firmly in charge of Norway and actually established a stable rule. Harold had actually then gotten to Finland and well to Sweden uh, via Finland um, and had started raiding um, Denmark uh, in order to try and undermine Magnus's uh, rule, showing that oh well you can't pretend Denmark. What else? What good is he? Um, Magnus um, actually. Was it had it was advised and had come up with a compromise with Harold that instead of avoiding a bloody war where many people would die, which let's face it, Harold probably would have won because he was just made of sterner stuff than old than um, Magnus was. I mean, you don't. I'm sorry, but you don't get a name like Magnus the Good, and are somehow some kind of badass warrior. I just doesn't really doesn't really jive as far as I can tell. Um. Harold would be allowed to they be co-rulers with Magnus um ruling as the top seed the top seed is the king but Harold would rule Norway Magnus would rule Denmark now this worked out for quite some time and would and worked out well it brought relative uh, stability of course uh it wouldn't last because Magnus would then die very, very suddenly with no heirs. Um, and Harold, um, while initially wanted to uh, assert his claim on Denmark and take it, he then really wasn't able to get very much support for it. And he actually was it was allowed um had allowed the kingdom of Denmark uh to fall to a person known as uh, a Swen trying to get his last name I thought I wrote it down here I did not um to Swen of Denmark who was a uh pretender to the da to the Danish throne but he was able to to assert his claim to it, mostly due to the fact that Harold couldn't actually get a hold, couldn't get the support to take Denmark. Now, at this point, Harold has had a very relatively peaceful and stable reign as uh, the king of Norway. This is also in, ter in, in part to his harsh harshness of dealing with people who showed any kind of discontent. This is where the Hadrada part came in, the harsh ruler or harsh commander. Uh, it was in, at this point in the, in the 1060s, 1050s, 1060s, that 
the beginning of the end of his rule as king would come about when after not being able to uh, assert his claim over Denmark had turned to England. Uh, now, during Magnus's reign, he Magnus had um, entered an agreement with uh, one of the older rulers of England known as Harthcnut, um, who had died child, um, had entered an agreement with Magnus that if either one of them should die before it had no heirs, the other would get their land, get their holdings. Now, it's unclear if um, Magnus was going to make a serious claim on England because very little preparation had begun, and plus he had other issues to deal with in his kingdom. But Harold, being the successor of Magnus, had asserted his claim over the over the throne of England, which at this point um, had fallen to Harold Godwinson. Harold also very fam very famous for his um, opposition to William the Conqueror, who also made a separate claim to the throne of England. Harold would then garner would um, garner would um, amass a massive fleet and invasion force, and with the aid of Harold Godwinson's brother Tussock, um, would sail from Norway and landed in the. I was believed he landed at the mouth of the River Tees, and then he entered the city of Cleveland. That is Ohio. Cleveland. Yes, yes, the Vikings invaded Ohio. Sometimes it seems like it. Yes, yes. Uh, well, you live closer to Ohio than I do, so I'll, I will defer Very much to you so. on that. Um, they um, after after plundering the coast like true Vikings of old, they moved inland, and they were the first resistance they encountered in Harold the Counter in England was in Scarborough. Um, he had, while he initially demanded, uh, the surrender of Scarborough, uh, they refused and he ended up burning the town to the ground, which, um, actually was able to persuade other towns to surrender. Um, while this is going on, Harold, Harold Godwinson is gathering his army and marching north and he eventually attempts to reach out to Tossig to... Uh, find some kind of reconciliation, not wanting to have a civil war with his own brother. Also, understanding the fact that the Normans and the Normans under William were probably just waiting for the right opportunity to invade. Toss he would he offered um, Tossig reconciliation, his titles and lands restored to him in York. Tossig, who at this point had been very bitter and resentful of his brother, um, had said that the time of reconciliation had passed. I have entered an agreement and alliance with Harold, with uh, King Harold. What he, I have made assurances to him. What assurances would he does the King of Norway get? Uh, Harold Harold Godwinson famously replied, "The King." of Norway may receive a seven feet of English soil from me, meaning he can die. Really?
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, if y'all folks didn't hear that, there was a little drunk, little. Oh, they heard it. Oh, they heard it. Oh, they heard it. Yeah, they heard it. Yes. Um. So after this, um. Harold and Tossig are able to move in and they are they're able to secure the city of York and but as they move south from there Harold march right through right to the town of Stamford Stamford Bridge uh this is the pivotal moment this is the point where Harold Harold Hadrada's reign ends the battle of Stamford Bridge was a very fierce battle where the two opposing armies were we're facing across a very narrow stone bridge. It is said that four uh, Norse warriors, possibly berserkers, we don't know, held off the Harold Godwinson's um, army at the bridge. Now, while this is going on, the army, both armies are shooting arrows at each other, and at one point, a arrow or crossbow bolt, we don't know, actually sails over and strikes Harold Hardrada in the neck killing him instantly the and soon thereafter uh the four warriors on the bridge are overcome by the english army and the nor and the viking army is defeated with the loss of harold hadrada even though harold hadrada's sons were actually present at the battle they were unable to rally the army and the men were forced to flee back across york all the way to their ships and were forced to flee back to Norway. Uh, yep. However, I was um, just about <laughs> to do that too. <laughs> you're not the guy who had to show me how that happened. I'll show you later. Um, um, although, ironic, uh, funny enough, Harold would, would in a way have the last laugh because Harold Godwinson's um, army was not unscathed by this i mean you taking on a force of several thousand norse warriors is uh, you're not going to walk away from that um unscathed his army was considered was beaten and bloodied from that battle and william william of normandy known as william the conqueror or william the bastard by depending on who you ask um had inv- had landed his forces in southern england from france Harold Godwinson would then force his men on a forced march over the course of three to four days from northern England to Hastings, England, where um, he would be defeated by William the Conqueror, and Harold Godwinson, the King of England, would be slain in battle. And thus, the end, that concludes the the life of Harold Hud. Harold is uh, is widely known as the last Viking king, and very much like the saga say, he lived up to his his um, Vikingir ancestors, who we will hopefully, I hope at least, to cover in later episodes. But that is that is Harold Hadrada, known as also known as King Harold the Third or Harold Sigurdsson. Uh, well, I'll just say maybe maybe uh, Belvis was there with Quackicus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, so that was good. A little little history lesson. Um, yeah, I would. Do it, um, I was a little surprised. I thought you guys asked more questions, considering this is a very pivotal person in uh, in Norse history. Considering you both are now, you're both you both follow Norse paganism. Harold Hadrada was not a, a Norse pagan. However, it is well known that men, that men in his retinue and people he served with were, and unlike his brother, he actually tolerated pagans, at least to the point where he just didn't kill them, right, or forced them out of his out of his army, right. But he was not. He was no. Christ- he was Christian. So yes, he was Christian. So, he just it's interesting. It's very interesting in his when it, when they talk about because his his stance on Christianity is interesting because the only thing they ever mention about him is that he was a dutiful Christian, which I've, what I've interpreted it as he really wasn't that Christian. I mean, so he, he's a modern day Christian. Um, so I was so going there, but yeah. So our first history lesson with professor Benjamin, um, if you have any issues, you can email him at benedwards at dungeonsandmagi.com. At, at this point, all hate mail is it's probably just going to be sent to me for It is. It is. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, even for our D&D stuff. Um, uh, that too. Uh, but yeah, so next week uh, we will – we're actually going to be jumping to – something a little different um and yeah i can't wait for that uh let's see other than that anybody have anything else any questions anything interesting about harold no like um, I, said, I, I wish they make an actual tv show about him i know he's appeared in the the vikings tv show but I have my own issues with that show. But yeah, so, well, with that, we want to thank you for visiting the Scarlet Tavern. Please remember to turn in your glasses, push in your seat, and as always, tip the bard. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.